it's so dark in here that it's actually getting harder to breathe. I've never experienced such an overwhelming lack of light. The all-encompassing nothing that has done everything in its might to make my experience of its nothingness the most terrifying unknown on this plane of existence hasn't just made off with my sense of sight, but with the very notion that I had once held within myself a cozy space with reservation intended just for me. A space so insignificant to all but myself, a notion within an ideal that wouldn't be noticeable even if it were built upon a mode of dust that floats past your eye, as if controlled by some unseen hand. Never able to convince yourself if there had ever really been such a passing particle to begin with. I find myself in ponderance of this exact thought, if the darkness has without cause or effect robbed me so deeply of the sensation of an outstretched hand filled to bursting with the simple excitement of grasping onto an unconnected understanding of hope, a hope of becoming, however briefly, connected to another existence. To have the certainty and irrefutable truth that loneliness and feeling has no bearing on you being truly alone. But now... But now my eyes betray the hands that brought countless unappreciated joyful connections. The nose that welcomed unrivaled sweetness and the most putrid vial as equals without discrimination can now intake the blackness and nothing more. The lips that had for so long shaped every excited verse, laced to intoxicating with longing and love. The lips that had the ability to become stiffened to a razor's edge that spilled every loathed curse that my breath saw fit to instantly break my heart into regretting have lost all form, have lost all the life-changing power that mundanity can seem to carry. Without will or purpose, these very often forgotten satellites will remind you, as they have me, that the sum of the parts can't even begin to be considered as who you are. Without connection, without the pinhole of radiance meant to be emanating from somewhere else, with its warmth targeting uncaringly near your orbit, there is no difference between life and death. No discernible parallel to what it is to simply exist. Or the excruciatingly nagging inner thought that perhaps the most likely truth is that you had never existed at all to begin with. In this darkness, I am nothing. And in this nothingness, the single infallible truth is that I am dead. And as I have become death, death has become me. On Dublin, I saw you, saw so you'll take me. Open your arms too late to beg you, cancel it though, I know it must be killing time. Unwillingly, my babe. Up against your will Through the thick and thin It'll wait until You give yourself Hello him. and welcome To our wonderful safe space That from today on Shall be known as 
no robs allowed. No robots allowed, especially not Baba robots. Are giant and hairy and somehow double as tater tots that beatbox. I think that just saying the no robs allowed thing really kind of covered all that. I don't think we had to get personal and uh, and mean with it, Chris. No, I just wanted to say all of those rhymey rhymes. Ah, really? Baba Robot, the beatboxing tater tots. Yeah. <laughs> Did, so, you know he he sent he sent me well my child. Uh, so I mean, but me now because I get to play with it until she's here. Uh, his baby swing. He did that, just uh, out of the kindness of uh, whatever is where his heart's supposed to be. I see. Did you disinfect it? I haven't received it yet. I get it tomorrow, and disinfection oh. will take place in three, <laughs> two. Anyway, <clears throat> so uh, this this uh, little gem of an app right now is the the forty eighth. Can you believe it, Chris? Son of a chicken fluffer. Can you believe in the lives that you and I lead that neither of us are dead yet, that we have made it to the 48th episode? Uh, No, I mean, every day I am in disbelief that I am still living, especially with the job I do. (sighs) Chris doesn't like to, to say this out loud to people, but really... Everyone out there, what Chris needs more than anything, uh, Chris needs your prayers. He needs he needs your <laughs> prayers. He needs you to email him and tell him how much I would like just how often Jesus out just out loud says to other people how he loves Chris. Because <laughs> as often as old ladies tell me to roll down my window and turn down my music and tell me quite forcefully that Jesus loves me, oh, uh, dude gets around is what I'm saying. That's happened to me a couple of times, actually. But if it happens to you on a regular basis, I mean, I can only say... I mean, it's not like, you know... Welcome to New Orleans. It's not like twice a week or anything, but it's more often than people tell me to roll down my window and turn down my music and tell me forcefully that Satan says hi, you know? Well, are you playing, like, death metal, or... I mean, I don't listen to, like, super offensive Scaring music, people. like, I mean, like, uh, no effects and dead Kennedys and, uh... Oh, you're definitely offending people. Well, you know, fuck them. Well, it would offend me, I mean... It's just songs about having fun and such. And and the the an- most angry, uh, you know, Jesus loves you, I ever got. I was listening to the most positive Dead Kennedy song ever, which is Nazi punks fuck off. Yeah, I suppose that is a pretty positive song. You know, I mean, I I can appreciate that. But after you send all of your well wishes and well meaning prayers. Chris's way, care of Chichi Babaros at snhnsnpod at gmail.com and or see no, oh, hear goodness. no, speak no pod at gmail.com. We would like to A, thank you in advance for the thousands of 
shut up already and start the shows that we're going to get. <laughs> and then... Yeah, I'm sure we will. We would like to say, welcome to welcome. another... Man, am I excited about this fucker. Episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. It's Murder Month! <laughs> with the UFOs and the conspiracies to go along with them. Uh, and I do believe, you know, you know, in following such a good starting lineup, I mean... You know, how could we not close Murder Month with just, yeah, the most depraved and And I think that's really been uh, a theme running throughout this this, uh, month of of terrible murders is is the sheer I-don't-give-a-fuckery depravity of it all Mm -hmm. because... I like where we've been. The adventure's yeah. been... It, it's been an adventure. <laughs> it, it's been crazy. We've had uh, just indiscriminate hobo fucking. Yeah. <laughs> we've yeah, had yeah. indiscriminate old lady in church backstabbing. Indeed. We, we've had church burnings and uh, on both sides, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think specifically it was a church that uh, Carol Cott was burning down those three or four times, but it, it was somebody's house or something. I mean, he was shit. terrible sure at everything. Some guy. So it was probably a doghouse or something. But <laughs> he was just unlearned. No, he was just bad at things, Chris. I was thinking more about he it. He had potential. He had such I potential. Thinking, I was thinking more about it, and I just think he was just terrible at everything he did. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, I think he wanted to give his all, hmm. but. You know, perhaps there was some hesitation. Okay, okay, okay. We can talk about this at length lack of confidence. later. <laughs> because the spotlight belongs on this one man tonight. This, That's true. And That's true, and I, I can't believe that you get... <laughs> well, I get because I called. Um, yeah, th- that's This true. is certainly uh, an episode where... Chris knows exactly who the fuck I'm talking about. And I didn't try to keep it a secret because it wouldn't have fucking made any difference at all. No, no. So we're going to do something a little tiny bit different with the structure of the show tonight. Because off bat, we're going to take you back to November of 1934. Now, in the first day of November... Winston Churchill warned that Britain... Well, of course he didn't warn that Britain. He is Britain. He's fucking Winston Churchill. He warned Britain that Germany was rearming secretly, illegally, and rapidly. And he expressed ast- astonishment at the government's attitude, saying, when we consider the character of the present German government, the rapidly darkening European scene, and the obligations which ministers repeatedly are declaring we have in Europe, things look pretty fucking grim. So, the whole world is getting quite a bit darker at this this time of year and this time of the century. Things are... Uh, <clears throat> things ain't looking so great for the uh, the good old Earth, as we like to call her. We like to call her... Papa Ground. That's what I call her. 
<laughs> old okay. old daddy dirty stuffs <laughs> is is what I genuinely hope my daughter calls me. <laughs> that, that's too many things. Too many things running through my mind. It's it's, a, it's not only too many things uh, running through your mind. It's also a very long nickname, which nicknames tend to not be. But uh, no, but I would love to hear what uh, as you know as she learns to speak what that comes out as. You know. Oh, it's gonna be a mushy mess, and I can't, yes. I can't <laughs> wait to hear it and fucking blast it on goddamn Facebook because it's gonna happen. Um, so, something else, uh, you know, kind of neat uh, happened in specifically November of 1934, which is uh, a a hero of Chris and and myself was born. Uh, Mr. Carl, Indeed. Mr. Carl Sagan was born that month that year so things are starting to look up and things are starting to maybe you know find that footing and maybe maybe the nazis won't win their their stuff that lets them do things but then again um you know uh because 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 then charles manson was born um Hmm. so i mean you know it's a it's a trip it's a, it's a trip and a there slip. There has to be a balance in the universe, my good sir. Does there? I mean, if there is... I mean, if there's no balance, then shit gets fucked up in all kinds of unpredictable ways. Oh, it's called chaos, buddy. It's going to happen anyway. Right, right, right. So that's that's the deal. That That's what it's all about, is the struggle for the balance. Well, now we, we tip the scales and... and, and in the not so great opposite direction here, and uh, that the Nazi punny, the, the Nazi punny, uh, that's because I'm I'm full of puns about the Nazis. Um, the Nazi Party won elections in the free city of Danzig, where opposition parties were still permitted to run, which means they ran against actual fucking politicians, and people were like, hmm, I like the cut of the jib of those Nazi guys. Hmm. I wonder if the mothers were telling the children not to walk his way or hear the words, Hmm. what they mean, what they say. Mother. Hmm. I wonder. Well, I mean, probably. I mean, yeah, I would think so. I I would think so because moms can see through some bullshit. But, you know, at the same time, eh, I don't know. They can't all be winners. Just like everything else, you know, unfortunately, there are some doctors out there who skated by on their grades, just like moms, and just <laughs> like... <laughs> hey man, everyone deserves an oopsie, and is awarded an oopsie at least twice in their lives. Oh, sure, you gotta learn the hard way in the field, you know? <laughs> I mean, you get one serious oopsie, and you get one so-so-serious oopsie. After that, I mean, don't use them up right away. Just no, no. You, know, no. you gotta sa- you gotta save that big one. You gotta put that in your back pocket till your seventies, and that's when you're like, I, I don't know where I am. I forgot to wear my underwear, and I didn't bring my tie under my robe. I don't know where am I? Am I? This is a this is a, a preschool, isn't it? 
Huh. I would use mine for like a get out of colon cancer free card or something. Oh, see, no, that's not an oopsie. I mean, it is. It's just, <laughs> it's it's God's oopsie. So, <clears throat> no take backs on those, buddy. <laughs> no take backs. No take backs on those. But uh, before we end this uh, this <laughs> this ridiculous fucking scene setting that we've. We've started and then just blatantly continued on with. I would like to go ahead and and even out those scales just a little bit. Just a little bit. See? I told you the universe will find its balance. In saying that this year, on November 21st, 1934, which was a Wednesday, Mm -hmm. suck at people who say it wasn't, 17-year-old Ella Fitzgerald made her singing debut at Harlem's Apollo Theater, winning first prize in the venue's famous amateur contest that is too cool I mean I'm not wrong in, in thinking that Ella Fitzgerald uh, is gonna gonna go ahead and negate the Nazi party right nah, well no I mean it, it, but really you know there's only so many ways back then to escape I really what's... I really want to see her in uh in fatigues with a an old uh, World War Two Army hat on and and just uh, an M4 in her hands, just trudging through the mud, just by herself, just just taking them all down, just just fucking goddamn Fritz's skulls all just glittering in the sun like her her beautiful Motown jewelry. See, I could see her more as like. Uh, like a drill instructor's assistant or a drill instructor herself, like, <clears throat> you know, leading the march and the, and the song and all of that. Like, she would she would have a fun squad, I believe. Hey, man, I can fucking dig it. You know? And if it wouldn't, if it feel. wouldn't sound like crap, I would snap my fingers right now so hard and be like, mm, that's what it is. Mm. Mm, I'm feeling it. So, See, with her as the drill instructor and then maybe Satchmo as her assistant, that'd be a fun squad. I mean, it'd be uh it'd be fun and fair, <clears throat> but it'd be it'd be tough work, you know? Of course. Because I, god damn it, this is the army. And this ain't be diligent. your mama's house no more. And indeed. It's time to be a big boy now. That's right. It's time to learn how to scat like the big boys. <laughs> so, since we went ahead and leveled off the karma of the universe. Ooh, one more fun fact about 1934. Oh, this is the last one, I promise. Please. It did not happen in um, <clears throat> in uh, November. However, it does go along with the show's you know, general... Mm-hmm catch line or whatever uh the loch ness monster was spotted on january 14th for the very first time at producing the famous uh surgeon's photograph ah so that piece mm-hmm. of driftwood was pictured for the first time yeah i'm such an ass he caught it nature love you nessie action. love ya <laughs> all right so your turn and and now Chris has has added just a couple of more little gold pieces into the the good side, the good natured, the the kumbaya, the the head wreaths made of flowers, the annoying 
long-haired patchouli fucks side of it all. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and throw Scrooge McDuck's entire fucking vault onto the fucking dark side. And Here we go, kids. I'm going to read a letter that in November of 1934 was anonymously sent to a little girl's parents. This letter is read as followed. Dear Mrs. Bud, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was from a dollar to three dollars a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all the children under 12 were sold to the butcher to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 wasn't safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal, brought the highest price. John stayed there so long, he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven, one eleven. Took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet, and burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night, he spanked them, tortured them, to make their meat good and tender. First he killed the 11 year old boy because he had the fattest ass and of course the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except the head, bones and guts. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass. Boiled, broiled, fried, stewed. The little boy was next. He went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100th Street, rear right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you pot cheese, strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her on the pretense of taking her to a party. You said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped off all of my clothes. I knew if I did not, I would get blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run downstairs. I grabbed her 
and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was, roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have, had I wished. She died a virgin. This letter reached the Bud household. And a shocked and astonished would be trifle understatements to to try and even put what feelings this family of this until now little lost girl had while reading this they knew that it was true from the details within the mother of the little girl uh, the time it was 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 uneducated she she couldn't read so her eldest he he had to read this letter to his mother and now that we've gotten the, the letter from hell out of the way we're gonna go back a little bit uh, seven years to be exact um, so that little girl's elder brother that ended up having to read that letter to their mom <clears throat> was Edward Bud. he was a he was an 18 year old and in in the fucking the late you know roaring 20s or was it roaring 30s I don't know 30s. I don't know what sound all these decades make um <laughs> he depressing 30s I think uh well you know we're not there quite yet so he's still a a go get him young strapping buck 18 years old just just eyes to the future head to the clouds and and you know shit on his shoes because goddamn trash pickup was probably just not very good in New York at that time <laughs> but he really wanted to make something out of himself so you know uh fucking I mean he lives in this house with his his mom and his uh, I believe two sisters and uh, and dad, of course, uh, and they live in fucking poverty. Uh, so as did most people, as did as did more than most, I'm sure. So on May 25th of 1928, he puts a classified in the Sunday edition of the New York World <clears throat> that read, "Young man, 18, wishes position and country, Edward Bud, four row six west." 15th Street. And I, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Chris. I think my uh, 1928 18-year-old New Yorker's accent was spot the fuck on. I mean, it was it, it was pretty well rehearsed. And I... Uh, can I just 
throw out there because because we went into the rest of this pretty quickly. Um, that letter never ever ceases to have an impact. I after the first time I heard it, I never fucking forgot it. I mean, I I, I could, could I couldn't <laughs> recite it word for fucking word, but it's. <clears throat> We'll we'll get into more of the psyche of the man who wrote it in, in just a bit, but uh, it's uh, yeah, no, that's something that stays with you. Yeah, the it's story certainly is something one that to... fucking stays with you. Yeah, <clears throat> not to be forgotten, indeed. And it just like I said, every time I hear it, it just which is not often, you know, but still, right. Um, this guy pops into my head every so often and and then of course you know the rest of the story in a quick flash and uh and then when you actually hear the letter again in its entirety it just like i said it just never never ceases to have an impact it seems to kill a little part of you every fucking time you hear it (laughs) and you never get it back um so ed bud here he you know being a, a strapping young man that's that's you know ready and willing to to go out and make money to contribute to his family's uh fuck it their their poverty problem uh because they are fucking dirt poor and they live in a goddamn crowded tenement uh it's his his dad his mom and uh four younger siblings so that's five six that's seven fucking people so living through all of this in 1928 new york he wanted nothing more than to to be out working in the countryside where he could fucking breathe. <clears throat> I bet. But while he was out there uh, being able to fucking breathe, uh, he you know he still at the same time wanted to contribute to the family. He wanted to send all that money home just to to help out any way that he fucking could. You know. Uh, so on the following Monday, which was May twenty eighth, uh, Edward's mom. Uh, Delia, D-E-L-I-A, am I correct in mm-hmm. saying Delia? Yes, uh, Delia, who was a big old lady, big old mountain of a lady. <clears throat> Boy, was she, uh, I mean, one could say, Chris, and I hope you know where, where I'm, I'm headed with this, that um, she was a uh, brick house. <laughs> she was mighty, mighty. <laughs> Girl, letting it all hang out. I feel that. That that was I was gonna say pleasantly plump. No, I mean well that's that doesn't come in until the shake it down, shake it down, shake it down now part. Um so she answers the door. Shake it down, shake it down. She answers the door to an elderly man who introduced himself as Frank Howard. Uh said that he was <clears throat> he was a farmer from from Farmingdale, Long Island. He, oh, that's convenient. <clears throat> uh, it's it certainly is convenient, uh, and the way that places seem to be named here in America, you would think that Farmingdale wouldn't have a single fucking farm in it. But uh, the the buds weren't the brightest bunch in the tenement house. Um, so he wanted to interview Edward about that fucking job. You know, he's like, "Hey, I was reading the paper. Strapping young man, willing to work. We can do this." So what can we do? <clears throat> Delia uh, then told her her five year old Beatrice uh, to go ahead and get her brother at uh, his friend's apartment. So the old man beamed at her, and it just fucking goddamn. 
Hey there, Beatrice. You go get your brother. And gives her a shiny new nickel, which I'm sure in today's money is like 50 bucks. Probably. Just handing out goddamn nickels to everybody. He must be rich. If a nickel's 50 bucks, then three or four bucks a pound for some little kid meat was astronomical. Well, it was it was three or four bucks a pound Chinese, which is really just like three or four bucks. Ah. Yeah, so really, it, it's it's very fair pricing for for kid meat, I would think. <coughs> the, cool then. The things you make me say on this show. Um. <laughs> so while they waited for for Eddie Boy to get back to the house, uh, Adelia finally had a chance to really give the old man that came a knocking a good a good once over with her her the balls in their her eye socket places um she she had taken her eyes out years ago and put tiny little rubber balls in there because she thought it'd be fun at parties but then she went blind and it was a whole thing so she drew little pupils on them and then magically she could see again my brother said if he ever had to have a, a prosthetic eye he would want it to be a googly eye see that's just wrong that's just mean to everyone else in the world and fuck your brother. <laughs> fuck your stupid brother. <laughs> um, that would be hilarious, though. God damn you. This old dude had a, a fucking kindly face. Kindly enough, I guess. How, I mean, how threatening can an old man be? Um, <clears throat> his his face had, you know, was framed by gray, gray hair and had a, a big fucking droopy gray mustache. And, uh, he told Miss Bud that he earned his living for a long fucking time as an interior decorator in the city and then retired to a farm he bought with his savings. He had six kids that he raised by himself since his wife had abandoned them all over a decade ago. <clears throat> so he's laying it on uh, pretty thick here. Pretty thick. With Abandoned is a pretty strong word. With the brick house. Although, once we get into it a little bit more, strong but fair. Um... So, but with the help of his kids, uh, plus five farmhands, and a Swedish cook, or one could call this person possibly <laughs> a Swedish chef. Um, you tried not to. No one could understand what the fuck he said, but boy, was that kitchen a mess. He made... That's a spicy meatball. That's, that is not what uh, the fucking Swedish... Yeah, you, and fucking goddamn Mario's our goddamn to, chef now. I was trying to mix. Oh, excuse me. Dude, just be you should be your beer. Thank you. A bird, a bird. That better? That's that's not just better. It's the best. And we will give <laughs> our listeners meatballs. nothing but. Say it with me, Chris. The best. The best. You didn't say it with me. <sighs> this is a shit show. It's so bad. <laughs> So, uh, well, just fix it and edit it. Don't worry. About oh it. yeah, just use your fucking personal time to to make my fuck up better, Jason. No problem, Chris. What happened to the intern? What happened to the intern that never existed? I don't know. Maybe it Did still doesn't exist. <clears throat> I mean, if I call them interns after I do it, does that make it legal? So after. After you know he he he's saying that this this group his kids and farm hands and his fucking muppet chef, uh, you know they finally made the farm into a successful goddamn operation with several hundred chickens, half a dozen dairy cows. Uh, but 
one of his farmhands was moving on and and he needed someone to replace him. You know, he was he was gonna he's gonna he was gonna wander on home now. He was gonna he was gonna he was gonna shuffle off. He's gonna ride off into the sunset. And then he was gonna go right into the fucking sun because oh my god, his sun's right there. And then oh my god, he's burning. Oh my god, Chris. Yeah, that would suck. What do, I don't think that was his plan. What do we tell his mother? Oh, we tell his mom that it was engines. Oh, that's shit. what we. T- hmm. Is it okay that his mother is Eleanor Roosevelt? That's the lady. Sure. That's the lady that started all the engine war nonsense, right? Yeah. History. Read a book. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. So he like he that. needed a, a, a young strapping man, as luck would have it, to replace this guy. And at that moment, old Eddie Boy came in and met a Mr. Howard, who sounds to me like an engine might have been a better idea. They they seem pretty, but pretty hard working. But then you got to learn engine. <sighs> you got to put up with their fucking dancing all the time, dancing for this, dancing for that. Just dancing all the time. Well, I mean, it seems like a pretty efficient way to get your crops watered. Yeah. Yeah, dancing. And it's a feel-good time. You know what? For the rest of the laborers in the field. If you just let go and let the rhythm take you. That's all you gotta do. If you just go ahead and, and, you know, just... Come, your body labor. Do that, conga. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt it. I felt it. Oh man, we have it. We have it together. Come on. Oh, oh man. Don't control yourself any longer. Sorry, you, kids. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta feel the rhythm of the music getting stronger. <sighs> oh man, conga beat. <laughs> That one woke the cat up. She was like, "Oh my god, what the hell is happening?" <laughs> I was Gloria Estefan attacking us. What the fuck? <laughs> I wake up in cold sweats every night, screaming that, Chris. Um, <laughs> so Eddie comes in and he meets Mr. Howard, who who has no problem uh, remarking at the boy's size and strength. Um, you know, Eddie assured the old man that he was a hard worker and he wanted to work hard for him, and Mr. Howard offered him fifteen dollars a week. Which Edward accepted joyfully because that must have been like, <clears throat> I'm going to pay you $6 million to come mow my lawn. Right. Um, Howard. Take care of your whole family, son. Mr. Howard, the uh, the mysterious Mr. Howard at that, even agreed to hire Willie, who is Edward's closest friend. I'm guessing uh, the friend whose apartment he was at. <clears throat> that really only makes sense. Because uh, otherwise, uh, apartment friend... Uh, tough shit, dude. Like, you yeah. should have been there. Willie just happened to be walking by. He's like, you kid. Christmas goose. Go fetch. So. How's about a job? So Mr. Howard, unfortunately, had to leave for an appointment, but he promised to come back on Saturday to pick the boys up. Well, fucking expectedly, these fucking boys were thrilled. That's money, dude. Fucking that is goddamn money. 15 bucks a week? So the buds were also happy that, you know, a good position with a kindly old fucking gentleman really came very quickly from Edward's, you know, little ad in the in the newspaper, you know? Like what are the chances? <clears throat> so obviously pretty lucrative. Lucrative is a word. 
that means that things are good and prosperous. But Indeed. it sounds dirty and slimy, and it sounds like it's covered in, in oils that are just... <clears throat> like you want to, if you try to grab lucrative with your hand, it's just going to slip out and it's going to land on the floor, and then everybody's going to try to help you out by picking it up, and it's just going to—it's a whole thing. And so it's like I don't like the it. bastard love child of lewd and lascivious. We could we could go with that. Are you are you okay with going with that? I mean, it it does sound pretty gross. Okay, then that's what we're going to go with. Cool. So on Saturday, June second, uh, which is you know the day that was supposed to be the <clears throat> the big day, well, Mister Howard didn't show. Instead, they got a, uh, a handwritten note from him saying that uh, he'd been delayed for this and that and some such and yada yada yada, and he would call in the morning. So the next morning at around eleven, this is remember uh, Sunday, June the third. <clears throat> Frank Howard came to the Bud's apartment bringing gifts of strawberries and fresh, creamy pot cheese. Mmm. Pot cheese? It's not the kind of pot cheese that you think it is, Chris. Don't get so excited. I'm sure it's not. So he walks <sighs> He walks in holding this to them what must look like food for kings and gods. Yeah, now, do you think they were dipping the strawberries in said cheese in a pot? Is it cheese in a pot, or is it... I... Is, what, I. You know what? Where does the pot come into play? I, that's I, what I would need to know. <laughs> I think it's cooked in a pot, and then maybe, like, you know, out it comes and, like, it's hardened. and so, Like, I, I do think it maybe is a more creamy cheese. I don't, I don't know. You know, I... I, I can't. I, I mean, strawberries and creme fraiche. Strawberries. This is and certainly the, creme fraiche. This is certainly not. As mm. most things are certainly not creme fraiche. Well, I mean, we are in in England, right? So no, we're in fucking New York. We're in fucking New York. Wait, are you in England uh, right now? Some, Can you drive a truck for to some England? Reason, I wish. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. For some reason, I always picture this griminess as being like a 1800s London <clears throat> I mean setting. it's it's just a, uh, it's more of a an all round grime that just still covered the globe in this this time period you know so I mean I'm sure I'm sure that that England was just as grimy I mean so just as bad yeah you know uh, our 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 listeners across the pond there tell us was England just as grimy as the U.S. at the time? I expect so. I expect so, sir. <laughs> so, he uh, he brightens their day even more by saying, these products come directly from my farm. You know, saying, fuck, this is the kind of shit we do. And then your son's gonna get to do shit like this. You're gonna get fucking pot cheese all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't pass it up family benefits mm. we're not talking sweet loving in the sack now who needs that because it's an unspoken rule cheese on your nips. we do not have to talk about it because it's just known we rub pot cheese on our nips so <laughs> <laughs> 
Fuck you. <laughs> so Delia persuaded the old man to stay to eat this beautiful pot cheese and the so-so strawberries. Mm. Well, for the first time, Albert Budd Sr. had an opportunity to talk with his son's new employer. It, um... You know, he 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 came away a happy pops. He really did. He came he came away a, a very happy Papa Dirty stuff. Uh, this this old man was was kind. He was polite. He was he was a gentleman. Um, you know he he was just so fucking excited about this fucking farm in Farmington, fucking Farmville, goddamn. Oh, he's got a farm. Mm. Mm-hmm. cheese, son. Man, it's like the Macho Man Randy Savage describing a farm that he doesn't actually have to a man who's not exactly sure what a farm is. It's either <laughs> that place where food's grown or there's fucking loud horseless carriages that keep running around outside. Those are f- or- pretty sure those are, those are called farms, right? He says quietly to his eldest, and his eldest looks at him as if to say, Yeah, probably. I bet it's that place where they make the fresh-squeezed cow juice. Mm. God damn it, Chris, now I want some milk. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, you know, he's got... It's, it's all fucking rainbows and sunshine and smiley face stickers. It's all like... Your son is going to be so fucking happy here at this real farm that's actually a place with me. Me, the guy that's actually a farmer. Mm-hmm. You know? So he's like, not only that, I got I got super awesome crew of farmhands. And like, just like a simple, like, you know, we, we live like a hearty country lifestyle. You know? We're a family here. Mm-hmm. We're a family. And you know, that take care of our own. That means we go family style. Dude. Which means Are we talking about like Roman? No, I'm I'm talking about how they they go, dude. No, they go to <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> dude. I'm break uh, out the ceremonial oil. No, man, I'm I'm talking about how they go to Olive Garden twice a week. And eat as a family. <laughs> That's totally different. I mean, they they still they still break out the ceremonial oil, though. Um. Oh man. So you know, <laughs> one of these times I'll be right. So Al Bud Senior. I mean, he he couldn't be fucking happier. I mean, this is like, you know, this is like if uh, if Chris or I in in the early two thousands had, goddamn. Bill Gates coming to our house to offer us a job at Google. You know? Mm. It'd be a little weird because I don't think Bill Gates runs Google. But, you know, still, if we're going to get raped... That guy's got a lot of money. If we're going to get raped and murdered by anyone, I want it to be gentle, nerdy Bill Gates. Yeah. You ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever seen his, uh, his DUI mugshot? It's great. No. Oh, actually, man. Actually, shit, no. The little young, nerdy man. Oh, it's so cute. So... <clears throat> uh, Albert Sr., uh, what he did, uh, you know, occupationally-wise, 
was he was a porter for the Equitable Life Insurance. Well, ooh, not insurance. Oof. Man, that would have been a messy faux pas. I listen at you. He was a porter for the Equitable Life Assurance Company. Ah, assurance. And, you know, he had the air of a man that was um, perpetually submissive, meaning he was Hmm. certainly not the alpha dog in the room. Kind of at any time. Like, not just, Hmm. uh, you know, maybe with people that are actually above him. He was uh, a whimpering uh, wuss man, and that's okay. I mean, if that's how he... I mean, he obviously got the brick house of a woman uh, into some kind of agreement and... Who was married? And pushed, what, uh, five babies into her. Six? Six babies. Five? She done... They done had sex at least a few times. Well, I'm not hungry anymore. Well, I'm sure that'll change in five minutes. Sweet. Um, so he, at the same time, he, he wasn't really super impressed with the way that this Mr. fucking Frank Howard looked because although, uh, you know, he's an old man who had a, a very well thought out and rehearsed backstory for his farm and such, um, he was wearing this like crumpled blue suit, um, but he also kept slipping, you know, here's a nickel to a kid. Hey, hey, you over there. You, the dumb one. Or at least the dumb looking one. I don't know you guys well enough yet. Here's a penny, but I'm going to call it a nickel. Let's see how you react. What kind of ridiculousness is this? Shut up, Chris. Kind of blasphemy. So they they all sat down for lunch, and you know the door just fucking goddamn flies open like Jean Claude Van Damme. Goddamn, does one of his famous just mm, how can you resist that man? Split kicks straight straight to it. Oh, it's all in slow mo, and his eyes are all fucking red from that powder that that the Chinese dude with the boobs threw in his face. Bolo. Mm. Hell oh yeah. Oh my god. Chong Li. This is my favorite movie ever. Fucking love it. And a lovely ten Okay, USA. A lovely ten year old girl appeared. Grace was humming a song. And I'm guessing it was She's a brick house. She's matter. I'm letting it all hang out. And her mom's like, I thought I fucking told you to stop singing that song. <laughs> and she just added that one little part at the end. She <laughs> just looks at the floor. <laughs> uh, but, you know, she had these fucking, these big brown eyes and this dark brown hair that, you know, she, but it really played off of her ghostly pale skin. And. Whitey McWhitems. Mm-hmm. And whoever wrote what the fuck I'm reading just maybe is into kids. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there because uh. I, the, the sentence goes, 
Her huge brown eyes and dark brown hair contrasted with her very pale skin and pink lips. She uh, would be uh, a real heartbreaker someday. <laughs> and it threw in there in the very beginning that she was 10. Mm. So as to just like get it out of the way. Oh, and then call attention to the rest. Not of not just ten, a lovely ten year old girl. Appears. A lovely ten. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's not funny. Why do birds suddenly appear every time uh-uh. you are okay. near? Just like me, uh-huh. they long to be. Pedophiles <laughs> pooping on you. Oh, come on now, Chris. He's do, ten. Do, 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 do. Oh, <laughs> no, I thought we were talking. Oh. I mean, every time I hear that song, I think of when, uh, when Marge walks into uh, to to after school detention in Homer Caesar for the first time. Oh, is that the song they used? Yeah, I really hate that fucking episode. I don't know why that's stuck in my head so so hard for so many years. Um, hmm. And and everybody out there, yes, I know for a fact that was a fucking Simpsons episode. I, <laughs> I, I miss a tribute shit from and to the Simpsons all the time, and I'm sorry about that. I really am. And I wish I could go back and make corrections. But Chris said if I ever made a correction on the show, he would fucking find me and stab me. Yep. With what, though, is the mystery. And see, that's not even the scariest part. The scariest part is that he never once says, allegedly. Nope. So, nope. back to this. It's not in my vocabulary. Back to the apparently sexy as hell ten-year-old girl, Grace. Ah, Grace. <sighs> well, she had just come home from church. She was still in her... her her Sunday clothes, her church clothes, her white silk confirmation dress with white silk stockings and a string of creamy pearls. This dude is totally into fucking kids. Uh, <clears throat> what, what the fuck are you reading, dude? dude. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. So the full sentence is, coming right from church, she still wore her Sunday clothes, white silk confirmation dress, white silk stockings, and a string of creamy pearls made her look older than her 10 years. Oh, no, no, no. We heard you the first time. Yeah. That is... It's like, no, we get it. You want to fuck this little girl. So can we just be scientific about this now and get to the facts? <laughs> Please. I- I'm, uh... I'm, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not uncomfortable with it or anything. You, you I'm, know, I'm just, I mean, I'm really hoping I haven't accidentally stumbled into some fucking weird fan fiction. Yeah, that would be weird. Well, you know what? Email me. Tell me if I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so curious now. So, Mr. Frank Howard, the little old crumpled suit wearing, droopy mustached man sitting there. Um,. <clears throat> he sees Grace, and just like the author of the fucking shit I'm reading, apparently, cannot take his eyes off the beautiful little girl. <sighs> so, Mr. Frank Howard says to little Grace, he says, let's see how good a counter you are, as he handed her a huge wad of bills to count. So the the fucking poor as goddamn floor dirt buds were just like... I'm surprised they didn't all just 
in a line like Domino's just lose consciousness from the aneurysms they were getting by seeing more than a dollar bill mm. with nothing at a time. He had bands. So. Um, racks on racks. <clears throat> um, you know, who doesn't these days, though? I mean, especially you got to. Especially farmers. As a farmer, you should know you got Shit. to. Farmers got it. <laughs> so, little Gracie says, after counting, because, by God, she's a fucking goddamn fine counter. I bet she is. She exclaims, $92.50, sir. <laughs> well, <laughs> what a bright little girl, Mr. Howard said. And after saying this, no doubt spoken without a hint of creepiness sentence Mr. Howard gives her 50 cents to buy candy for herself and her little sister so after this delicious meal of pot cheese and strawberries mm-hmm. I mean when you eat pot, back to the pot cheese when you eat pot cheese and strawberries your pinkies just shoot out no matter what it's like you can't, you couldn't curl them in if you wanted to so I did when you said it, and I I just thought it was something weird that happened. I didn't want to make mention of it, but I'm glad you said something. I mean, mine mine have been forced out for about six hours now. After we do the show, I'm going to go to the hospital and just 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 to check and make sure it's not the the uh, pot cheese research I've been doing. Um, It's starting to hurt. Oh, it it started hurting a long time ago. It's well past that (laughs) to just not being able to feel them. Um, so, Mr. Howard stands up, wipes the, I guess, pot cheese crumbs off of his crumpled, uh, suit, or, uh, wipes the smeared pot cheese that's around his mouth off with a, a handkerchief. I don't know if pot cheese smears or crumbles. Deal with it. I'm looking it up right now. You know what? Don't you dare tell me. <laughs> I'm so serious. I will stab you. (laughs) (laughs) So he stands up and he says, thank you for for sharing such a wonderful meal with me. You know, yes, I brought the meal. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But I got to leave for a bit, right? But I'm going to come back this evening. I'm going to pick Edward and Willie up to, uh, you know, go out to the farm with me. But in the meantime, I have to go to... Uh, a birthday party. My sis is throwing one for one of her kids. You know, it doesn't matter. Names aren't important these days. It's the fucking the, the late twenties. Nobody has names. So he gives the boys two dollars and says, "Hey, why don't you guys go catch a flick in the meantime? We don't have movie theaters out in Farmington, in Farmington, New York, where my farm is, which is obviously yeah. a real place and a farm." So spread it on. So Delia asks where this sister lived, and and he replied that she lived in an apartment at um, uh, Columbus and 137th Street. Right, well, he wanted to, uh, you know, because he's such a good, trustworthy guy that they had met maybe for a total of 45 minutes, mm-hmm. um, and. I mean, shit, man. He had $92 in his pocket. I mean, 
if you can't that's a if, you, if you can't trust a man with ninety two dollars in his pocket, who can you trust, Chris? Tell me right now, no thinking. Who can you trust? Mm. Eh, wrong. So, Delia asked this kindly Mr. Howard, uh, you know, where his sister's house was and shit. And uh, after finding out, she's like, I don't know if if I want Gracie to go with you. I don't know if I got to that part. He w- he he asked if if maybe like Gracie could go could could go to this this little kids party with him, you know, because this is like up a party for kids, you know. Maybe just go have fun, you know. Just just let her let down her gorgeous black hair mm. on that milky white skin with those pink pink lips. Oh my god! I bet. So unsurprisingly. Delia wasn't really sure that she wanted her to go, but fucking Papa goddamn dirty shits just was like, baby, it'll be good for her. Just, just let the poor kid go. She, she don't see much good times. That's a direct quote, by the way. <laughs> she don't see much good times. Let the poor kid go. She don't see much good times. Hmm. I love reading terrible grammar with wonderful enunciation. Right. So, uh, <sighs> Brickhouse Mama Bear helped Gracie on with her good coat and her gray hat with the streamers because, as Gracie said every day before leaving the house, fucking God help you, lady, if you don't help me on with that hat with the streamers. Hmm. <laughs> And uh, you know, okay. she followed. Mm-hmm. She followed Gracie and Mr. Howard outside, and then, you know, waved as they fucking slowly faded off down the street. Um, well, that that night, um, they didn't come back, so you know they're kind of freaking out a little bit, rightfully so, I guess. Um, yeah, wondering where their fucking daughter went. And the next morning, the young Eddie Bear went down to the police station to report the disappearance. Um, God damn. And it's, uh, it's about to get really fun. Is that okay to say, Chris? I... Is it a, sure. I mean, you said. Let's go with that. I mean, you said that like it's not okay to say that. No, no, it's perfectly acceptable. I, I just, I was searching for possibly another adjective to use instead, but no, I, I mean that one works. Okay, so while going to the police station, um, a certain police lieutenant Samuel Dribben, who has a name just remarkably close to Lieutenant Drebin, who is, yeah. of course, our hero <laughs> and Christ-like hero. figure of the naked gun. Ah, Leslie. Mm. The old homie. Actually, you know, it's funny. Somebody said, somebody asked some ridiculous question, what's your favorite um, O.J. Simpson movie on something I was watching earlier? <laughs> And the the person who was being asked the question couldn't come up with anything, but instantly, I was like, "Naked Gun, 
Uh, the police squad, the first one. <laughs> Fuck, dude, I don't know if I know any other O.J. Simpson movies than Naked Gun. Right, no. <laughs> I mean, that's... But he was in all three, so which one was right. your favorite? Oh, 33 and a third. Really? Oh, the others can suck a dick. Oh, no way, huh? It had, um, it had the whole Manchurian candidate angle to it. It had fucking goddamn Mrs. Elvis Presley in it, acting yeah. acting all va va voom Right, and right. just atop of his goddamn game, Leslie Nielsen. So, this this certain police lieutenant, Samuel Drebin, Drebin, sorry, that's going to be hard to do, uh, <laughs> Drebin, uh, said uh, something that gave the buds pause, let's say. That thing was that the address that this Mr. Frank Howard had given them for his uh, sister's apartment wasn't real so this this old man was a fraud there there was no frank howard no farm in farmingdale i fucking told you long island farmingdale not a single fucking farm I do uh, bring farming equipment out there though so well it's so, also construction equipment to farmingdale so. No, no, to Long Island. Okay. I don't know about Farmingdale <clears throat> specifically, but... So, hey, this guy that came and uh, picked up your sweet little daughter, um, completely false. The whole thing. Yeah, go figure. So, the police began normal investigative activities, meaning they checked out everything on this quote-unquote Frank Howard uh, and what he had told the Buds. They also had the Buds go through their... And god damn it, I love this name for a book of mugshots. Rogue's Gallery of Photos. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Rogue's Gallery. It's so Batman. It's so fucking Batman. It is. Um and they they had uh Very Captain Cole. Th- this had to this had to be really reassuring here. Um <clears throat> uh so and checked on all the known uh child molesters, mental patients, etc. Uh, It came to nothing. No trace of Gracie. So, on June 7th, the police mailed out a thousand flyers to police stations throughout the country with a photo of Gracie and a description of the uh, aforementioned Mr. Howard. Oh, yeah? Was that description... uh, Old man. Walrus mustache. Mm. Oh, oh, no. I thought we were talking about a description of Grace. No. I was like, was it as no. flattering as the one it that's had? It had a picture of Grace. They knew. Oh, they oh. knew what they were getting into right away. <laughs> it speaks for itself, right? But the description of Mister Howard did say, "Man, he's just got the tightest ass." Um, <coughs> he must work out. <laughs> um, so sending out all these flyers along with the fucking metric shit ton of local publicity um, had a just a flood of Gracie sightings and of course because people are terrible crank letters yeah. come in each of which had to be actually investigated by 20 plus detectives who had been assigned the case isn't it funny how it doesn't matter what era or, or time period, like, there have always been ridiculous prankster asshole people in the world of all ages mm-hmm. 
who have nothing fucking better to do with themselves than to be dickheads at someone else's oh, yeah. horrific expense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that that uh, strikes me is the fact that it doesn't matter what era we are in, um, the authority will go to ridiculous lengths to find a hot-ass 10-year-old white chick. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't want to bring that up, but... Um, oh, yeah, thank, God. Thanks for doing it for me. How, uh, you know, however, I will point out now, because I'm... I try not to be a hypocrite if I notice that perhaps this is maybe a hypocritical moment. Um, that's kind of what we are, <laughs> what we're hmm. doing. <laughs> However, yeah. we're not doing it to be assholes. No, 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 no. We are doing it to bring forth the assholes from our past so that we can look deep into them and learn Right, right, right. It's from a different angle, and it's not that we're, uh, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not doing it at the expense of the victim. Or no, the no, fans. not at all. I mean, we're saying nothing but good stuff about them, in right. in truth. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> the cops had had gotten a couple of solid clues in. Uh, they found the Western Union office in Manhattan, where Frank Howard had sent the message to the buds, uh, plus the original handwritten message. Uh, <clears throat> From the writing and grammar, it was clear that Howard had some education, at least, and, and you know, a refinement of sorts. But he's an well, old... Well, he had 92 bucks, and he didn't look like somebody that could have <laughs> right. robbed a few people for Right, exactly. So... And, you know, he's an old man. I mean, right. old people get things the damnedest places. Um, I mean, it's funny how, how, depending on, you know, so many different factors, like, you really have to think about different scenarios or, or different reasons why this person is up to such hijinks absolutely or you know like what what's really the deal what what is he even capable of or you mm. know that all kinds of different questions come here's up. here's something that i i'd never known that the police had had found out was uh that they had also located the push cart that howard had bought the pot cheese that he'd given to the buds uh both addresses were in East Harlem, which then became a, uh, a focal point of search and investigation. Oh, so like the like, like push cart, so like the little dude walking up and down the street selling right. the pot cheese. They've yeah, the Jamaica the Jamaican guy with the, the bobsled. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready. Now bobsled go or whatever he says. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So the the elote man in Mexico. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the cops at the time weren't strangers to. to to child kidnappings at all, which I think is is uh, is kind of redundant. Let's just say kidnappings. Um, right. Uh, really, there was uh, an oddly similar case the year before, on February 11th, 1927. There was uh, a four-year-old boy named Billy Gaffney, and uh, he was playing in the hall outside his apartment with his three-year-old neighbor, who was, <coughs> as luck would have it, also named Billy. Now, uh, a, tw- a 12-year-old neighbor was babysitting uh, his sleeping sister and went out to join the boys, but went back to his apartment quickly after hearing his sister cry. A few minutes later, the older boy noticed that the two Billies were gone and told the younger Billy's father. After uh, quite the fucking search, the dad found his three-year-old son alone on the top floor of the building. His son had been up on the roof. 
<clears throat> Where's Billy Gaffney, the man asked his son. The boogeyman took him, the little boy replied. Oh. The next day, a whole platoon of detectives came to investigate, and they basically <laughs> ignored the three-year-old witness who stuck to his explanation. Um, right. At first, they thought that he had wandered outside into some factory buildings in the neighborhood or had fallen into the canal a few blocks away. Um, but the people in the, in, the, in the community, they organized a search. They dredged the canal, but no sign of little Billy. Eventually, someone finally listened to the little three-year-old boy uh, who gave them the description of the boogeyman. He was a slender old man with gray hair, a gray mustache. The police paid no attention to the description and didn't connect it to a crime that had been committed by the gray man a few years earlier. In July of 24, eight-year-old Francis McDonald played on the front porch of his house in the pastoral Charles... <clears throat> in the pastoral... Ch Charlton Woods section of Staten Island his mom was nearby uh, nursing her infant daughter and she saw a gaunt elderly man with gray hair and mustache in the middle of the street she stared at him uh, he constantly clenched and unclenched his fist and was just mumbling to himself Ooh, the man that sounds ominous the man tipped his dusty hat to her and disappeared down the street Later that afternoon, uh -uh. the old man was seen again watching Francis and four other boys play ball. The old man called Francis over to him. The other boys continued to play. A few minutes later, both the old man and Francis were gone. A neighbor noticed a boy that looked like Francis walking that afternoon into a wooded area with an elderly, gray-haired tramp behind him. Sure. The disappearance of Francis wasn't noticed until he missed dinner. His dad, who was a policeman, organized a search. They found the boy in the woods under some branches. He had been horribly assaulted. His clothes had been torn from his body, and he had been strangled with his, his own suspenders. Francis had been beaten so badly that police doubted that the old tramp could have really been as old and frail as he looked. The beating was so severe that perhaps the old tramp had an accomplice who had the strength to maul the child. <clears throat> In a, wow. in a short period of time, Manhattan fingerprint experts and police photographers were enlisted in the case as well as some 250 plainclothes policemen. The huge manhunt yielded several promising prospects, except that none of them looked like the gray-haired, mustached old tramp. His face was burned forever in the memory of Anna McDonald. She said... He came shuffling down the street, mumbling to himself, making queer motions with his hands. I'll never forget those hands. I shuddered when I looked at them. How they opened and shut, opened and shut, opened and shut. I saw him look toward Francis and the others. I saw his thick gray hair, his drooping gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray. Wow. So despite the massive efforts... That's a hell of a description. <clears throat> yeah. It's fucking chilling. Yeah. Despite the massive efforts of the police and the community at large, the gray man had basically vanished into thin air. 
Um, <clears throat> so the dude who can be terrifying forever with just his hands <laughs> from a distance, even. Oh like, fuck, man! Like that's talent. So, if you're listening to this show and you don't already know who we're talking about, I will now let you in on a little information. We have just started the first in probably a three-part episode series of Albert Hamilton Fish, also known as the Gray Man, as the Werewolf of Wisteria. That was badass. And as the Moon Maniac. Mm-hmm. I think that was a cool supervillain name. The Werewolf of Wisteria. I, well, I, I don't know. It's, it's literally a toss-up between the Werewolf of Wisteria and the Gray Man for fucking craziest, creepiest uh, supervillain name of all time to me. Because they are both equally as terrifying. It just equally as disconcerting equally as holy fuck it's indeed it's this it's supernatural not just the werewolf part it's 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 the whole thing just the gray man it it's like a infinitely less douchey slender man right (laughs) it's like this man who will uh, uh, you slowly appear out of the, the the edge of the forest that's by your rural home and you'll see him staring at your children play and he's mumbling to himself and he's making this these these really strange erratic movements and then just as quickly he fucking backs up and disappears back into the foliage. And then hours, minutes, fucking days, whatever, later, your child goes missing. Uh-huh. And you think back to that that oddly mustachioed fucking old man that didn't seem quite right, that seemed infatuated with the children at play. And then someone says, oh, I, I, th- I think I saw I think I saw your boy. Um, I, or at least some, a kid that looked like him, a lot like him. I, I remember seeing him going into the woods and there was like this, this old, old man behind him. And that's, that's the last anyone sees of your kid until you find his his horribly mutilated by just sheer force of will of physical violence that's that's just all directed toward them and what do you think what do you say to yourself i mean <sighs> put myself in that headspace that's pretty rotten but I can say uh, commenting on the name thing 
that if you think about the psychology of how creepy a name like the Gray Man really is, let's say in the world of like superheroes and villains <clears throat> where everybody chooses a name that reflects or, or that, that um, basically uh, tells everybody what their powers are. Right, right. You know what you're getting. This guy chooses yeah. a color, but not even a color. That's it's right. Like, it's the like the point of everything. It's like the boring absence of color. It's like, what the hell are his powers? I don't know what that guy can do. I think I, but he looks really creepy. So I think I'm going to be scared of him and leave him alone. I, I will tell you that his powers are, um, exclusively, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. His powers are pedophilia. <sighs> But way more than just pedophilia. Oh, so much worse than just pedophilia, people. We have... Let me, uh... <clears throat> let me do, do my damnedest as a person who can read words, can sometimes speak them, even. As long as they're not Russian. <clears throat> uh, Russia's a dick. <laughs> um, so, these are some characteristics of the gray man Albert Fish sex pervert including cannibalism coprophilia urophilia pedophilia and masochism but we will <clears throat> we'll get into um there are god damn it man there's more Pretty like sure it's sadomasochism <laughs> well, well no li listen to it L listen to this uh, and, and we'll, we'll certainly go way way deeper into this in the, in the trial episode but um, several psychiatrists had talked to him and uh, <clears throat> um, they testified about Fish's sexual fetishes including uh, coprophilia uh Urophilia, pedophilia, masochism, but there was a disagreement as to whether these activities meant he was insane. Um, huh. Some said, uh, you know, his focus on uh, child development, uh, or, oh, fuck, dude, I, I'm just, he, he treated things as a game because, thing, I mean, well, he was a very, a very, very, Oddly enough, God-fearing gentlemen, hmm. and that, that is <clears throat> odd. can and kind of does turn into th the the most despicably <sighs> twisted part of him. It's it it turn it he. He, I'm sorry, this is the only fucking word that I can find for it, but he perverts any kind of good message that, because I, I give religion a, a kind of a, a hard shake on this fucking show, and I, yeah. I, I don't fucking hide my feelings about religion, but I will say, believe whatever the fuck you want, as long as it doesn't hurt me. Mm. Well... Mr. Fish um, heard what I said 
and he heard it fucking almost a hundred years ago, and he told me to politely fucking shove goddamn accelerant-soaked cotton balls into my anus and to go ahead and ignite the conflagration and shut my mouth and enjoy the pain. Ooh. See, you say oh, that. Wow. <laughs> See? That is yes. quite the event. Yes, say that. <clears throat> so, Chris, sounds, how... How do you... How, how, just how? <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's no shortage of that in, in talking about this guy and doing this story. <clears throat> if you want to do it any justice, because it's not like... I mean, it's not like there's a ton of different... I mean, I, I don't want, I'm not trying to give anything away or anything like that for those uh, people who don't know who this is or who, mm-hmm. like us, are lazy, uh, too lazy to do the research mm-hmm. now that you've given away his name um, to beat us to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there's, it's not like there's a whole lot to the story, but there is so much at the same time. And this guy, like, you could... You could just sit around and talk about this guy all day and never... Well, obviously, it was 100 years ago, so it's not like we can ask him any questions nowadays. But um, I would be so curious, really so curious, because still, to this day, he really does live up to all the holy shit what the fucks that we're giving him. Right there, there's there's a, there's a reason for the hype, and there's a reason that both Chris and I sound cautiously terrified of this man because it does seem like something that was that walked that physically was a, a, an actual corporeal fucking form walked the earth as this thing that we're gonna tell you about in the weeks to come. Uh, he uh he ha- he just seems his story seems to have this fucking power that could reach out from anywhere anytime and affect you because <laughs> he he was the he was the id run unchecked uh period and that's that's oh. literally all he could be um i i, I will uh, I'll, I'll close out this show by a quote uh, from a, a psychiatrist from his his trial. I mean, we'll go over this again, but this needs to be said about him now. I characterize his personality as introverted and extremely infantilistic. I outlined his abnormal mental makeup and his mental disease, which I diagnosed as paranoid psychosis because Fish suffered from delusions and particularly was so mixed up about the questions of punishment, sin, atonement, religion, torture, self-punishment. He had a perverted, a distorted, if you want an insane, knowledge of right and wrong. His test was that if it had been wrong, he would have been stopped as Abraham was stopped by an angel. (laughs) And that, oh, that I've never heard that before. Oh, 
Like, That's <clears throat> uh, extra special. And on that, just mm, note, you've just listened to another nightmare changing episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. The UFOs, the conspiracies. Uh, this is another one of those goddamn episodes. And Moitas. Oh, Chris. You know what time it is? Uh, I, I'm going to tell you what time it is when we uh, go ahead and hit stop. For 30. It ain't late. <laughs> no. No. It's just early. No. It's early. <laughs> early. How do you I know that obscure you. fucking Spin Doctor song? Oh, my God. How oh. do I know that? Yeah. Um, probably because I got, like, half white mm. in me. Mm. You keep telling the INS that. <laughs> It'll work one day. One of these days. Forgetting sure will 